Hello, and welcome to the McCovey Chronicles Happy Hour Podcast. My name is Sammy Higgins, and I'm the deputy editor of the site. Joining me for today's episode is Brian Murphy, our managing editor, or as you might know him, not Grant. We talked about all things McCovey Chronicles and Giants baseball. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian. Everyone. Today I'm joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of McCovey Chronicles himself, Brian Murphy. Brian, how are you? I am good. I'm tired from the gym. How are you, Sammy? I am good. Um, not tired from the gym, but hoping to get back to that soon. Uh, so thanks for being <laughs> with us this week. Um, I know everyone um, kind of. Yeah. Um, I know everyone kind of knows you from the site, um, but do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Uh, sure. I'm the person who ruined the site after Grant left, and <laughs> uh, I was a commenter before I was a writer and before uh, a ruiner of the site. Um, I'm from Northern California. I'm from Fairfield, and I've been in L.A. for 16 years now, so um, just uh, that's kind of the, the basic, the broad strokes. So I tell everybody today. Um, the real people know more about me. I'm just kidding. That's it. <laughs> uh, so that, and then Grant just one day liked whatever mouthy, sarcastic comments I had and messaged me out of the blue and asked if I'd be interested in writing. I didn't have any baseball writing experience. I, I, I am a writer, but I had not written for baseball. A lot of like film development, some TV development, and then that was it. And so... A lot of my stuff started off as being really, really, really unprofessional, just like jokey and more creative writing than anything. And um, I always think about this now <laughs> since uh, when I applied for the job in the cover letter, I'm like, I've written 216 articles for the site. And <laughs> I guess it was how, how six years. And I'm pretty then? sure I. I'm pretty sure I've written 10 times that number. (laughs) I'm going to do a a final count whenever this is all over. But yeah, I blew past that pretty quickly last year. So yeah, Uh, that's the long and short of it. Uh, Well, thanks. Uh, So, okay. So what we have everybody do, and you don't get a pass on this, we have a a little three-question getting to know you quiz. Um, And I don't know if you're familiar with the questions, but I'm just going to ask you without any prep. Um, if you were commissioner for a day, what would you change? Uh, I'd do two things. I would um, make sure there's a day game every day. And I would also, <laughs> that's like the fun one. Then the other one's more serious, and this is the boring one. If everyone is still listening, I would I would make sure that the debt-to-equity ratio for every potential buyer and current ownership group was like, it was <clears throat> like they weren't caring any more than like, five percent or ten percent debt at any given time i don't know what the rules are right now and i might even be overshooting it but it seems to me that a bunch of these teams are now being sold purchased with a bunch of leveraged debt and i think that creates a lot of interestingly bad uh situations for the league to be in down the line the dodgers are like with the mccourt family was that but who knows what's going to happen with this royal sale and what that's what those are all going to look like but to the fun part I want a day game every day. All right. Okay, so the second question is, if you had to give an impromptu TED Talk about anything, baseball or not, um, what could you talk about at length? Star Trek. 
does not surprise <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <clears throat> Excuse Anything me. More specific? Uh, I would. I would be able to give a 15-minute TED Talk on why Star Trek being insanely nerdy and not in a clubhouse sort of way is really meant for a very limited number of people. It is not a mass market appeal show. But what the ideas of it, the universal ideas in it, uh, why they're so important and why it's so important that it only really appeals to that group, that's the talk I could give. In other words, you might have heard that saying that uh, a small group of dedicated people can, you know, affect great change because it's the only thing that's ever, that's the only way that's ever happened, great change. And so along those lines, Star Trek has really only, when it was, why we're still making it, it really only appealed to a very select group of uh, a, a person uh, across the world, sure. But it wasn't like Star Wars where every person on the planet has seen it, every person on the planet likes it, you know, that kind of thing. So I really think that that one-to-one, uh, that group of people, the dedicated group of people who could be inspired by Star Trek is the same limit. They're within that limited audience. All That's right. my... <laughs> we have not had anybody um, answer Star Trek yet, so this is the first. I like it. Um, also, I would like to just talk about a show where in the original series, it, literally every week the ship would roll up on some godlike being, and the godlike being would say, humanity is a failure you're a bunch of violent animals and you don't deserve to exist. And Kirk would then punch that God in the face and be like, yes, we do. We got better. Like that, that's every episode of the show. And I think it resonates now. Uh, we've gotten away from that idea. Anyway. That's, <laughs> that's okay, I the, that la- the last one is a silly one. Kind of um, favorite ballpark food from any park. Okay. So obviously I have to say garlic fries, but it's also true. Um, yes. And I liked most of the AT&T or Oracle menu, actually. I like the cha-cha bowls. I know you can get better types of that. But, like, out of all the other ballparks I've been to, which is only, like, six or seven, like, that's still pretty good. But I want to say that I went to that new burger stand that was there when we had the McCovey meetup mm-hmm. uh, back in August. I can't – or in July. I can't remember the name of the place now. But their burgers were pretty good, maybe a little saltier than – than uh, a normal burger outside, but for a ballpark burger, burger it was great. So I nice. can't remember the name of there. There's so I would either. recommend that. It's over. It's kind of over by where <clears throat> we were sitting. So like just past the Coke bottle area, out towards the seats. Or depending on where field. you're coming from, before the co- before right. the Coke bottle. It's depending by on the seats out by the left field right. pole. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah, I think I, you know it's funny. Even non-Giants fans that come on here, um, it's pretty standard that the Oracle food is usually really high up on the list. So that speaks to the people that make the food and the food decisions at Oracle, which is pretty nice. Um, Okay. So we always ask everybody what made them fall in love with baseball and more specifically your team, which would I was assume be the giants. (laughs) My team is the giants, despite where I live. Uh, (laughs) Why? I would say it would have to be my dad. He played baseball. He was, I don't know. He had, it's like a very typical story of like he was a star in high school and then he blew out his knee or he didn't make it. But baseball was always in our life. We were around it. And uh, my first baseball game was a Giants game and I think it was 87. I know I've written about it on the site once before. I think it was 87. And uh, it was I remember everything but the date vividly. <laughs> uh, and I remember it very well. And Will Clark was, you know, just like imprinted on my brain and Kevin Mitchell, uh, you know, that whole era of Giants baseball, just like that was it. 
And I think I was very spoiled. Like my first game at Candlestick Park was like three rows behind home plate. So oh it was a very, you know, <laughs> so it was cold, but it wasn't well, windy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, uh, and it was really nice. And, and, you know, had a great time and just to remember that forever. And then, you know, the Giants being great, but then not as good as the A's, I think, because I like the Giants so much, then it became sort of a competition with my A's friends, um, A's fan friends, who were very much belittling me for, like, essentially liking what they perceived as the slow, dumb, bad team, the dun like the dunce cap wearing team. And I was like, well, now I like them even more. So <laughs> then I just paid attention to all to you know all the years in and out um i didn't have a moment where grant sort of did where he kind of switched back on to his baseball fandom i think the bonds chase kind of i think going to college was great because it it gave me time on the weekends to watch them in high school i was very busy and like i just didn't have time to do anything outside of school and i was doing theater too and like so i just didn't have time to like stay into it too much like 97 i knew about it i kind of followed it a little bit but i wasn't as much into it they moved to the new park around the time that i was in college so that was like a big changeover and it was like much easier to just follow them every day especially when you're not at home and i think it, so it was like 2000 was when i really got back into them um and then i moved to la um in 2003 and then they started to get bad again <laughs> so it was like oh and then that kind of timed with my career picking up so then when they were bad, I kind of didn't have to pay attention so much beyond the Bond stuff. Um, that's, I mean, my fandom is just basically that. I found the Covey Chronicles around 08. I don't think I started posting, though, until 09. And um, and I definitely remember, like, one of the flashpoint moments uh, of that year when I really bound to it was that Spielborgs game, uh, the walk-off Grand Slam. That was when I really, not my fandom, switched back on, but when my uh, ties to the site in particular really uh, strengthened, because that was a pretty traumatic moment. <laughs> it was probably the most traumatic moment. I mean, it's not the same, but like since 2002, and I definitely remember what I was doing uh, in 2002 that night. I was definitely alone, and there was some property damage, that's for sure. <laughs> Didn't handle it too well. Um, so that's kind of it. Like the, the Giants have just always been a part of my life. And, and then it's kind of like peaks and valleys, but, you know, kind of like a, just a steady relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Thank you. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Brian. So, Brian, um, what was the process of like when you were taking the site over when Grant stepped down? <laughs> Uh, there wasn't one. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was no process. The way that it happened was the Grant made the announcement. I think it was in February. <clears throat> Maybe it wasn't in February. I can't remember when the announcement was, but I remember that I. It's around then. Apply. Yeah, there was an announcement made, and I believe I might have messaged him after I applied for it and said, Hey, I applied for the job. And he said, Great. I will put in a good word for you. And then I didn't hear anything back from anybody for about <laughs> six weeks, at which time I was like, okay, well, I didn't get it or anything. And I have since found out that basically there was no movement on it whatsoever until the Friday before uh, I actually started. And I didn't actually start until the day after I was told I have the position. Oh my God. 
So, and that was the day before the season started. I think that was the timeline because March 26th was... was... I think it was about that. I think on the Friday before, I had a sense that it was probably going to happen because the interview was essentially like, I am just trying to make sure you can string words together and you're not a raving <laughs> lunatic. Um, so that was kind of, that was kind of it. So the, the process was just basically like, it's your site now. By the way, you have to write, we have to publish seven posts today, seven, time, seven days a week. And I was like, huh, all right. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> And and so, you know, you kind of go into it with the excitement of like, well, I can do this. This is great. I know it's going to be a step down from Grant and I'm not going to think about that right now because everything's so new and so great. And I think we probably naively thought, oh, Evan Longoria, Andrew McCutcheon, maybe this will be an interesting season two. Who knows? <laughs> but I actually honestly can't remember. I, I'm sure it's written down somewhere, my prognostications and feelings on it. But I don't remember when I got the job caring at all what the team was gonna be like. <laughs> like I was just like okay get you a lot figure on out your plate. Seven. Yeah. yeah exactly so then then the process then it really was like just figuring it out as we went along to varying degrees of effect um and I was working a, another like full-time job at the same time and then that job it just worked out that way I had accepted another job so I was doing those two jobs at the same time then that job ended in I think it was the end of May so then I could like fully go over to the site and then, yeah, then that's, that's it. There's much more of a process this off season, this past off season when I was like, okay, now that I've ruined my health and my vision and, <laughs> and my relationships, um, yeah, now it's like, what can I, how can I not have that happen again? Because it'll make it harder to recover from next year. So I definitely spent like a full month just trying to think about like what is a typical seven post day, that kind of stuff. It really helps that you're the uh, the deputy editor on the site. Um, and last year versus this year, I think you have more responsibility in your real life this year than you did last year. So it's fine because everything you kind of set up last year um, has stuck. And like, so the infrastructure that you were able to put in place last year has been very helpful this year. So you may not be having like you may not be like me and and spending every waking minute of your off time doing this site, but what you've already done has helped tremendously. So that's been great. Kenny's been great. Brady's been great. Uh, all of our ads have been great actually. So that's been very helpful. And then just being more uh, comfortable with sort of you know laying um laying a little bit more on other people to kind of get them to like Kenny's writing more. Brady's writing more. We brought Josh back. Uh, that was nice. Uh, Casey's worked out. So, you know, the, the process was just basically uh, after the fact <laughs> a year later was like, okay, what is this? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it helped that you had like an actual off season and time to prepare this time as opposed to like a day. Yes. And uh, there'll be more changes in store this off season because we have to kind of think about the podcasting and, and all that other stuff. So. So kind of along that lines, like what is an average week like for you between like your non-site stuff and like trying to run the site? That's a great question that I'm not sure I know how to answer concisely, <laughs> but I will try not to ramble too long. So the typical week is just I'm up constantly and bouncing back and forth. When I'm writing an article, I'm trying very hard not to think about the next article that I have to write. Um, 
do have a second job now again here. So I've been, I commute. So in the mornings, I basically I'm in the car for an hour and I try to listen to baseball talk. I get to that job and I do that job. And on my breaks, then I like anything that I picked up in the morning or anything that I that came over Slack or on Twitter. Um, because even if I didn't have this job, I'd be on Twitter all the time. That's my addiction, unfortunately. Um, so then I go, okay, okay. Yeah, exactly. What's the article? What's the fresh articles that we can do? Because there's the, there's the evergreens, not the evergreen. There's the, uh, assignment stuff that we always have. Like I have to write a series preview and I will, if I'm on my game and I'm doing well, I'll do that tonight so that it's ready to go in the morning. Most of the time I'm so exhausted that I wind up doing it in the morning yeah. before it has to go up. So that's what usually happens. It's basically, it's not great. It's not healthy, I guess, is the better way to go. The schedule is basically I'm working two full-time jobs. And um, and it's basically like a 90 or 100-hour week and seven days a week. Last weekend, we went, uh, we went on a trip to Idlewild. And there was, um, you know, there was supposed to be internet at the cabin and there wasn't. So it both afforded me an opportunity to like, it forced me to disconnect, but then it also was sort of like, huh, I actually have to scramble to find some internet somewhere because I just wound up tethering my phone um, because I needed to do, my plan was we were going to get up Friday night and then I was going to do all my weekend work on Friday night because I stay up, I'm a night owl. Mm-hmm. Everyone would be in bed at midnight and I'd just stay up for a few more hours and I'd bang out the before I had to do. Instead, I just wound up working every day like it was a normal day. So it was less, less relaxing than I had hoped. But uh, a typical week is just basically always on, always connected. So when the Giants make a roster change, and they almost always do, constantly. just being aware of it. <laughs> yeah, just constantly, just being aware of it. Um, could making you sure name everything's covered. Who's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, could I name who's on the team right no, now? No, I was just making, I was kind of well, making a joke. No, you don't have to do it. I was just making a uh, joke. Like, I, on any given day, <laughs> I couldn't tell you who's on the team. Well, I'm forgetting right now who the, is it Pinto, I think, or Brito, the, the reliever they added yesterday from Tampa, who I wrote about. And then there's Wandy <laughs> Peralta, who they added yesterday or two days ago, who actually did appear today, who wasn't going to show up in San Francisco, I think, until Monday or Tuesday. And he actually pitched today. Uh, so there's there's like those types of things. It's kind of easier to keep. It's obviously easier to keep track of position players because there's there are fewer of them. Uh, but yeah, the, the reliever roulette has been very interesting this year. So what is what would you say your favorite thing is about running McCovey Chronicles? Well, it's the people. I mean, what am I gonna say? <laughs> I, the the people that I work with. I I like uh, everyone on our staff. The community, uh, I know the community, uh, I'm not a uh, popular person, but I mean, the community keeps me honest and makes me consider, like, it's a good mirror to have in my face. Half the time, it's the voice inside I'm already telling myself, so reading it in the comments, like, it's like, okay, good, I'm, I, I was correct, I suck, that's fine, <laughs> I got that, um, but then there's the other times where it's like, hey, you didn't think about this, whether that's about a point in the game or a consideration with the long-term impact of something or just in terms of like how did, how you handled this community problem. And those are the those are the times I'm like, okay, this is good because um, it's like it's real time, but it's also like I'm, I'm a caretaker in, in a lot of ways more than I'm anything else. I mean, 
I'm uh, the managing editor, which just literally means that I'm managing this piece of intellectual property for this company. Uh, I'm caretaking uh, someone's, you know, not legacy, but, you know, it's someone's baby, essentially, you know, a grant's thing. And he helped make it what it is. I'm trying to caretake it as best I can. And so it's good to get feedback. Uh, so that, I mean, that's what I enjoy the most about the job because it's the, it cre- it inspires and it, and it creates, keeps me on my toes. And otherwise it would just, because if I just leave it to the giants, that's not going to be fun. They're pretty <laughs> miserable. It's not, it's not, it's not a fun team to watch. I have a lot of issues with it. So. And um, what would you say is the hardest part? Uh, the volume, the volume of work. <laughs> yeah. I think, it, I think it does a, I think it's not great when I'm writing and I'm not saying that this is a problem that would happen to everybody. And this is just, this is how it affects me. I don't think it's great that when I'm writing an article, I'm, I'm half thinking about the next one I have to write. Uh, I, I, or the one after or quarter 25% is also then committed to the one I have to write after that. I just don't like, it's not, I'm not comfortable working that way. So that's still been something I haven't been able to get over. Um, and I like to try to keep things in a, somewhat of a, a sight voice, if that's at all possible. It gets a little tricky when there's like just these basic lineup threads. It's like, okay, what, <laughs> what can I say? I don't. Want, I also don't want to turn it into like an anti lineup. Like who, ultimately, like who cares about the lineup? Like, are there good players in the lineup? Is sort of the is sort of the bottom line. I don't really care what order they're in ultimately. So then it's, it's like. How do you make that interesting? Do you need to make it interesting? Those, then I start to think about those things, and then I actually stop and go, I need to stop thinking about this because I need to get it out and <laughs> move on to the next thing. So that's been the trickiest part. Uh, I, I don't I don't think I've been that successful with that. So we'll see how it goes in the future. What do you think people might not know about what you have to do, but you wish that they did know? That's a good question. Um, I think the main thing that I would want people to know is that outside of like our series previews and game threads, there's there's no um, unified directive. Meaning, I don't want Brady and Kenny and Sammy and and um, and Casey and I'm forgetting all of our writers now. Just they all went all in my head. Doug, yes, <laughs> Doug and Josh. I don't want everyone uh conforming to the to what i think about the giants and i don't need them to then conform to their own group idea i'm so it's open which means that they're not going to get people aren't going to get an article about brandon belt that's going to necessarily match what they think we should be saying about brandon belt or brandon crawford or the team or or whatever it is and I encourage everyone to have a point of view. Sometimes there will just be articles where it's like, have you noticed so-and-so's line drive rate? And I might say uh, to the to the author, I might say, can you say, and then what? Or explain what, like, like give it, imbue it with something as like, it's more than just, um, yeah, he's not doing well because he's not hitting the line drive well. If he can find, uh, hitting line drives very much. If you can find a reason why that's, important that's great but otherwise i mean we're not we're not a news site i always think about that joke about you know what if i came here for news that someone some commenter many years ago earnestly asked grant i mean yeah i'll break news but some i think if people have noticed that we've been maybe a day or two slower now with some of these 
fringe uh, relievers that have been added to the mm-hmm. roster, some of these later wa- later waiver claims. Because, uh, you know, on one level, it's sort of like, well, chances are if you know about this and you're coming to the site to read more about it, you're not going to get anything immediately that's different than what you already saw that told you it happened. But if you don't know what already happened, chances are it's not going to really change you know what I mean? Like, it's okay yeah. that we wait a day or two, especially we, like, we have to find a reason to talk about it. I feel like more news is going to get broken if you're in the comments because people are posting tweets and stuff as they That's come right. out. So, like, you can still get breaking news there. It's just, you know, we're. I think it was it on Grant's bio or maybe the site's Twitter account. Bio, well, I guess that was Grant's uh, Twitter account. Anyways, it said, uh, we don't break, or I don't break news. Right. I mean, we'd like to, I mean, obviously when something big comes out, I like us to get on it as quickly as possible. Jalen Davis getting called up and all that. But at the same time, it's sort of like, what can we say that's actually different from what you can read everywhere else? And I think that's, that's where it gets tricky. And some, and probably most of the time we don't totally focus on finding an angle, but it, it's important. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we might well, just do it. Cause like Jalen Davis being called up is a big deal. But if I don't, if I only have 40 minutes to get the post out, I'm not going to be able to sit there and think about, you know, or Kenny or Brady, I think actually was the one who wrote that. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to think about the, the five moves after that, that this affects, you know what I mean? Like, or yeah. what it actually means. So that's well, the push and pull. And the thing is, is like, we don't have, Oh, that's not true. I mean, we don't have anybody from the site that's like a beat reporter with like credentials reporting for the site. I think Doug does, but not for us. Um, so it's not like we're part of like the running of the beat writers that are sitting there getting the news as it breaks, getting it out and clogging up the Twitter feed with it. You know, that's not really what we do. That's never really been our role. It's kind of, to, you know, take that news and do something else with it. And the year and a half or so that I've been running the site, there's been three times when there's been some sort of breaking news thing um, and and actually only two were anything that I could have done anything with. And last year I did something, but I, all I really did was I knew it was going to happen and I just had the article ready to go once it was finally announced mm-hmm. because there was another time where I did go after something and that kind of didn't work out. So I kind of like the second time around, I'm like, well, I'm not, I'll, I'll beat it. I'll beat the news by like 90 seconds. <laughs> so that's about it. And then the other one was, uh, was that that uh, that wonderful person, uh, Ronnie, the Twitter guy who tweeted at, at Grant and I the night before right. it got big, was that Larry Bear was there. And I remember seeing the tweet, and I didn't react to it because I think it was just late enough where I was like, it was the end of a long day. I was like, I don't, I don't have the energy to do this. And <laughs> what am I supposed to like, – and I was like, do I make something out of this? I don't know. And then – so then I didn't do anything with that. And then the Jalen Davis news – I think was actually first broken or the Dubone news was broken by someone who writes for another giant site occasionally, but has like connections with the minor league people. And he actually applied for the job that Josh got. So in my mind, I'm like, Oh, we could have had him on the site and he would have broken it. So those are like the only three times where I'm like, that's as close as the site could have potentially come to being out in front of anything else. But that's not what the site's about. And I right. don't want to make it, I don't want to make it that. Um, I want it to be where you can come and find an irreverent take on the Giants that also you might learn something from. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Brian to talk about this season of Giants baseball. So much fun. 
All right, Brian, what are your thoughts on this season overall? And do you think next season might be better? Uh, I think the season's gone better than expected. And I would say that I feel disappointed, but I would not say the season is disappointing. I'm really stuck on the idea that foreign anxiety had, which is like, oh, yeah, it's really easy to build a 75-win team. He didn't say it just like that. He said, with sound analytic principles, you it's 75 wins is like the lower barrier for wins for any team. And you can do that if you have like the lowest payroll or the highest payroll. So here I am watching the Giants thwart his best efforts <laughs> to build a 75-win team. And I'm like, that's kind of that's that's funny. But it's also sort of like, oh my gosh, this is this is somewhat disappointing. Now they might actually get to 75 wins and that'll be that. Um, what do I think about next year? I'm starting to believe that next year is going to be the big, scary 100 loss year, which is going to be, well, I think what my feeling is, but here's the thing. I actually want to say this. I have no feel for this front office. It's both, it's mostly sad because we have no more running jokes to tap into the Sabian, (laughs) Bobby Evans era, a deep vein it, it was comforting to just know what the, where they were going to go. Austin Jackson's a free agent. You know it's going to happen. Like, like all these types of players, it's like you know the type of player the Giants are going to go after. Now we have no idea. And more importantly, because we don't have any sense of what the secret sauce is for what they're looking at for these guys, like they're going to have one Mike Yastrzemski out of every five or ten outfielders that they get. So because that's just the volume that they're going to churn through. So right. I don't know. I, I don't even know if those guys are going to be on the team next year. That's what I'm getting at. Next gotcha. year, I'm like, Yastrzemski, Dixon, they may not even be on the team. Kevin Pillar might be non-tendered. He could get traded. That's another scenario I could see where it's like, well, maybe the Giants are aiming for guys who can actually get on base at 330 or higher, but maybe there's another team like, say, the Diamondbacks or something like that where they're like, well, we want someone who's just gritty and, and does does other things well. Then again, the Giants need a center fielder. Pilar is at least pretty much a center fielder. He's still a pretty decent one. So I'm getting my, my guess is there's enough I don't know about this group to know what they're going to do. But looking at just on paper what's about to happen, you're about to have a lot of big face of the franchise departures. And you're going to have a season, this season that's solidified sort of the state of others. So now you're going to 2020 with no Bochi, no Bumgarner you're going to have definitely diminished views on Posey, Belton, Crawford. You're convinced they're not going to bring Bumgarner back? I'm not sure. I'm just saying, like, on paper, this is what... But this is the opportunity is what I'm getting at. Gotcha. And the idea that a new executive would come into a team and take a year to assess everything and then start making changes in the way that they would want to do things, that seems very logical, and it happens all the time across every industry. It happened with the Giants when Sabian... Sabian was told at the all-star break um, of 96, I guess, that he was going to take over, um, that he was going to take over as the GM. So he had like that whole half of the year and the off season to kind of, or like some of the off season to really get a sense of what the organization was. And he's also already been there, but you know, Zaidi has kept a lot of the same people. Um, What I'm getting at is new manager with the chance to really, really change the roster. If you consider if they don't trade Samarja Cueto and those three guys I mentioned, that's basically, and then you've got Longoria, that's basically your six that are going to stay. That that leaves a roster, because now rosters expand to 26. That's 20 players. I don't know what they're going to do. 
you can do anything with those 20 <laughs> players. You would think that they would keep some of them who have worked out, but you know, at this point, if they can move, if someone wants Austin Slater for a double a player, why wouldn't the giants do that? Like is Austin Slater really in their long-term plans? Austin Slater has been great or he's been nice. Why, why hold on to him when the team's good again, he's going to be closer to 30. Why keep him? Um, same with Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski is going to be 29 next year. Is he going to help the Giants, the Giants more next year, or is he going to help another team like the White Sox or even the Red Sox? Or you know, I don't know. So when I think about it, it's it, next year. I kind of get a, my head gets foggy. Yeah. <laughs> because because I think most of us, this was Sabian and Evans. We would just assume like, oh, we would take what worked and we carry that over to the next year. And I think what they would – in that case, they're talking about the players they found who worked out. But in my mind, uh, the way that the progressive, analytic-minded person would think is that they go, well, let's take the processes that worked and carry those over to next year. And so then the player who, – whoever fit that bill would be irrelevant. And you know Dickerson's hurt a lot. So if you can f- replace Dickerson with someone who's going to play more often or just consider Dickerson more of a part-time player, you're still going to have to add someone – so that's where I'm like, I don't know who's going to be on the roster next year. And I don't know what this team's going to look like next year. But I feel like there's going to be – like all that coaching staff is probably going to change. So like starting there, once you start there, then what? So yeah, that's – that's. I know I sound a little ranty ravey there. No, but that's I, fine. I, <laughs> that, yeah, no. I mean I feel like the, the prospect of next season is a little bit – I think it feels like right now in the moment it feels a little depressing because like, you know, it's the end of – the, uh, the end of an era has been used a lot with regards to this team, but I feel like it's the end of the last chapter of this book with Bochi leaving, Bumgarner potentially leaving, and obviously, you know, you still got a few guys left, but yeah, I, I don't know. But then you can look at it, I guess, with a glass half full and like, well, what's next? Maybe it'll be better. I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> well, it's kind of, I mean, this is sort of a sad epilogue for Posey and Belt and Crawford, you know, and that's not to say that they're careers are totally toast and maybe if they're still on the team next year well Posey's going to be on the team next year I have genuine questions about how long Brandon Crawford's going to have a roster spot though um uh, but I mean what what is what do their seasons look like if they're fully platooned you know what I mean like fully with the mindset of like you know Buster Posey you're going to get 350 to 400 plate appearances Brandon Crawford 350 you know like like if that's the mindset then what what does the team look like? What do their final lines look like? That kind of stuff. It may not be a total disaster. And someone, you know, there might be an Astros-like team out there that's like, you know what Brandon Belt's problem is, you know, and then stamp their fingers and something's <laughs> different. It's not impossible. Uh, and he still has would seem to have the most value of those three. And I'm saying that over Buster Posey, who is a much better defender and has been more positive value. Only because I don't see any scenario with the Giants of trading him. He's got a full no trade clause, and he's making a lot of money, and he's a catcher, and you know, thirty. He's going to be a thirty-three year old catcher. I don't see that there's going to be that many teams that want him. I don't see that the Giants are going to be as motivated to move him because he's still, even if he gets shifted into the backup role, or if they make the catching position like a three-player thing, or two-play, you know, where they're rotating out one backup guy. Um, you know, it's worked nice this well with Stephen Vogt. If they can find a similar situation next year, then then Bo- Posey is the least of your problems. Um, yeah. All right. 
So, um, on a more lighthearted note, so we're recording this Sunday, if you haven't figured it out uh, yet, and the Giants did lose to the Dodgers today, but they won the series. So, Brian, was this weekend, like, our playoffs? For sure. <laughs> For sure it was. Uh, so, it, it would have to go to five, I guess, because they went two to one, but they won the series, so maybe maybe that's enough. That's right, what, but we not have one more. Disaster. That's right. The last, last yeah. series of that's the right. season, so... <laughs> It'll be like I the would... Bay Bridge Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Small victories. That's right. It's the Senator Feinstein Trophy. I don't know. <laughs> Just trying to think of things that unite the state. That was the whole point. <laughs> right. Uh, so. No, wait. Was was the, the high-speed rail or whatever? That's right. But that's yeah. not built. So no, it's, but it's going to be. Yeah. We're starting. That's We're right. building the foundation of a rivalry trophy. <laughs> the rivalry, the oh, rival God. train. We don't need uh, any more rivalry I would say trophies. so. I mean, the, the bigger thing is it was a, such a total surprise like yeah. it just came out of nowhere you know these are the same guys and it, and it reminds you that it, it definitely is another um mark in the favor of uh you know baseball you never know it's pretty well, so what, was, what was more surprising to you that the fact that they got to clayton kershaw the way that they did or the fact that they held a one run lead an entire game against the dodgers uh, I'm going to say the one-run lead because the idea that Mauricio Dubon or a player of his type, sort of a rookie coming out of nowhere, seemingly getting in his head is not an impossible thought. You oh, know no, what I mean? We've seen it happen yeah, before. The, just the idea that it's the Giants rookie who does that is what the wrinkle on that was. So it was perfect. But that idea in and of itself is not so shocking. I think the Giants scoring a run in the first inning and then somehow winning the game with that being the only run – that's more shock, especially when Tyler Beatty was starting and then they paraded out a bunch of relievers who are basically rookies, you know, yeah. <laughs> like throwing them into it. Like that was the most impressive one. So the fact that the Giants essentially won two games in wildly different ways um, and then lost a third game in a totally wild, like totally expected think, way. Yeah. Yeah. The totally expected way. That's exactly right. If they had lost today's game five to four on a walk off home run, that would have sucked. Yeah. <laughs> This one wasn't even a bummer. It was just boring. It's like, oh, well. (laughs) We kind of expected one of these, (laughs) if not three of these. So, yeah, I I, I enjoyed that. And it was interesting that they did it Saturday night without Will Smith, with a situation that we definitely would have preferred to have Will Smith. But uh, but who was it? Um, Is it John? How do you pronounce his name? Is it John? John Gustave? Yeah, and he came in and got his first save. So, I mean, it worked out. But I think everybody was kind of like, High anxiety when Will Smith was not the one out there. For sure. And then Gustave made it look super easy. Super easy. Which was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it made us all look foolish for doubting him. Well, and to be fair, Derek Rodriguez actually, I, w- I assumed a far worse start than what he actually had. You know, he couldn't pitch through the air, which was wound up being the knockout blow. The 2-0, the home run that put him up 2 nothing. that was not a great pitch either. But he was... He was getting him with change-ups. Like, he was just – he threw three change-ups to Corey Seager in the first inning and struck him out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, hold on. What's going on here? <laughs> so whatever had happened in the first two games carried over to some of today uh, for sure. So it was just a weird – it wasn't a weird series, I shouldn't say. It was, a, like, a very nice surprise. And well, it was sort of – surprise, yeah. Yeah. It could be our last reminder of the Giants being able to surprise us positively for the rest <laughs> of the season. There's not that many games left. But, hey, they did it. And they got two games closer to getting Bochi his 2000th win, which I will right. take because that's pretty much the only thing left to root for at this point. 
That's right. And uh, it's a significant accomplishment uh, yes. in his history. I just want to, I'm addressing something that came up in the comments. <laughs> so if you are a listener who doesn't visit our site very much, there have definitely been a few people who have been wondering why it's a big deal that a manager gets to 2,000 wins. And I would say longevity is a sign of success in baseball. That's why, you know, you get in, a lot of these guys get in with automatic qualifications. So 3,000 hits is just the result of playing for a long time. Playing baseball for a long time is not a given. It's there have hard. Not been that many, yeah. In like 115 years, there's only been, there have been fewer than 20,000 people to play it. So the idea that there are people who play it for many, many, many years enough to get to amass 2000 of something is a very big accomplishment. It's very hard to win a a baseball game, whether you're a player or a manager. So the idea that you won 2000 of them, the fact that you live to do it, that is an accomplishment. Um, So I, I, I guess I just wanted to put it out there for a minute. Uh, There's nothing to take away from it. I, and like I know people like you know nice round numbers, and with Bochi retiring either way, isn't it better for him to get this big nice round number as an accomplishment before he goes? If we can't give him anything else this year. <laughs> True. I also think though that 1999 would be very befitting of that man's career. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Rude. There's uh, something very. The Bruce Bochy's won three cha- championships. He's a Hall of Fame manager for sure. And yet I think it's because of his Padres days. It, you know, there's just something about him, the idea of just coming up short of something beautiful, but still being good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it works. Like that seems to fit his personality too. I, I want him to have more than 2000 wins, but you know, I want him to have a, a man, a managerial career of 500 at least. And that's not going to happen. They would have had to win 90 games this year. So yeah. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> Um, who has been your favorite, and there's been a lot of them, who's been your favorite new player, either like rookie or new player on the Giants? Uh, who's been your favorite this year? My goodness, that's a really good question. I, I, I'm, say, I'm, well, I'll wait till you answer before I finish that sentence. Uh, I'm, I really want to say Dubone, cause, but it's recency bias, so please, right. I'm, I'm going to say it's Stephen Vogt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. I was gonna give you um, give you crap if you picked Mikey Stremski, but you're good. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna pick Mikey Stremski. I, I I mean, I'm surprised by Mikey Stremski, and I'm glad he's on the team for sure. But Stephen Vogt has done so like everything he's done, he's done fine. Yeah, and I think that's very important. And also, uh, when he catches Tyler Beatty, like Tyler Beatty's a different pitcher. It's it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Um, and I, I like his energy. He's an old man, <laughs> baseball <laughs> baseball wise. Right. And he's got very youthful energy. I, I know I, it was a joke, but the idea that he could be like a player manager next year or just the Giants manager next year, I'm like, let's do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> now, that. do you have any thoughts on who you think might be the manager next year or who you'd like to see? Or have you uh, this is what I've been saying on all my on all I haven't gotten that far yet. All I've said on all my radio hits and stuff is just like it's going to be a MacBook Air. It's, that's going to be the manager next year. That's the only thing I can think. It's just going to be a MacBook Air with like the voice, the oh, text, oh, okay. the voice. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Before every game, uh, someone from the clubhouse is going to come open up a MacBook Air and put it on the top step, and that's it. <laughs> that's, and it's going to spit out. It's going to spit out commands, and that's it. That's what all is going to happen. I really don't know. I have no idea. Um, it, I hope it's Stephen Vogt now. I hope I, <laughs> I just talked myself into it. So. 
Yeah, I don't know. My dad, my dad said he thinks it's gonna be Mike uh, Mercedes. I, I don't know. I, I honestly, honestly, it's, it's. It, I knew all season that Bochy was retiring at the end of the season, but it's really like, really just now, like this month, starting to hit me like really hard. So, I am not quite uh, ready to look past that yet, because you know, Bruce Bochy. For all of any complaints that people might have about him, like feel he really he feels like he's part of the family, you know, like literally part of my family. Yeah. <laughs> After this many years, um, and you know, watching as many games as I watch, and now covering the team, it's just like it feels like not losing a part of the family because you know he's he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be off doing other things and being happy. Um, I don't know. It just uh, it's hitting me pretty hard this month. I, I just don't, I mean, I don't want us to commit much stuff. If one of, if you or somebody else has an idea about writing about it, I'm all for it. But I mean, there's so, yeah, we've got the end of, of his tenure to go through before yeah. we think about who's next. And I feel like it's a situation like the trade deadline where we're not going to really have an idea of what's going on until almost right when it happens. You know, like the Mark Melanson deal is sort of like, if that happens, then anything is possible. I have no idea what this front <laughs> office is, is truly capable of. They've just pulled off a miracle. So until I start hearing rumors or that we get like maybe a short list, you know, something like that, then that's and that seems like the better way to go. We might we might venture into now. I might just write that Stephen Boat uh, <laughs> article. I don't know about who we want it. to be the manager. That might be something, but uh, we don't really know what they're looking for, yeah. what the plan is. So it, it makes it hard. But I, him, yeah, him not just being a part of the family for me, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm an emotionless robot most of the time when it comes <laughs> out. So I don't view him crying. in that way. He's not like a Literally father. Literally crying figure. right yeah. now. <laughs> my, was, but my thinking is like, that is a very, very, very tough act to follow. And I know a lot of people out there might say that that's not the case because of the results and how we manage the lineup and all that. It wasn't just that. Like, I think you could probably find a better tactician, but if they have the personality of, like, of a MacBook Air, <laughs> then it's going to be a problem. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's the thing that the Giants sort of been good about is sort of building that sense of these are a cast of characters. This is, this is a family, an artificial family that you do welcome into your homes, that TV idea. So casting is going to be just as important. I hope it's not like Bob Guerin or something. I don't know why it would be, but... <laughs> Mike Matheny and Bob Guerin are both kind of like bimbos in that sense. Like they're not, they might look good on the top step, but there's not a lot going on um, behind the scenes there. Yeah. Okay. So we do have a little bit of time left. So um, we do a rant section and it can be good, not necessarily rant, sorry, venting. And it can be something you're excited about or something you're annoyed about, whatever you want to talk about. So do you have anything that you wanted to talk about? I listened, um, to enough of these to go, I want to try to do something positive. <laughs> so, because that was one of the conditions you said, it's like, you can be positive. Right. And my, my rant is, is like a recommendation, a strong four vote or, or yay vote for the YouTube broadcasts for the baseball, the baseball YouTube broadcasts. I think that's a great um, change to baseball in the sense of they they needed to do something that was 21st century oriented that was tangible for the public. Although MLB TV literally revolutionized streaming video and this Disney plus that's coming out, which I am 
following the watches, the podcast, the watch, they call it Disney plus. I recommend everyone calls it <laughs> Disney plus, but they're using, they bought uh, major league baseball's advanced media for their platform, for the streaming platform. The only other stable streaming platform and the, uh, the difference, the reason why baseball is a sort of better or was as good as it is, is because it can do live video. No problem. Uh, is YouTube. So baseball is basically saying, and YouTube has a way bigger viewing audience. It's eaten into television viewing. People don't go to the movies as much. Like YouTube is where it's at. It's where all the people go. It's like where all the different age brackets, especially the younger people go. So the fact that they're putting their games on there, it's a stable performance. Like the broadcasts are great. No commercials. You say what you want about the commenters. I understand that they're not everyone's cup of tea. I'm not advocating that they're great, but they do do a cool thing where they take uh, color guy from either team. So it's always a three person booth and they, you know, so that you get both perspectives, uh, for either team. So it's like, it's like a non-biased broadcast. That's, that's, that likes baseball more than the, than the Fox broadcast, which is amazing. Like the TBS and Fox broadcast that, that, av- that advocate cranky old men complaining about baseball that they get paid to watch. And then on YouTube, it's like, they're not, they're like the same age, but they're just positive about it. It right. looks great. There's no commercials. Uh, I think it's fantastic. And I don't know why anyone's complaining. Oh, I can't watch YouTube. Learning how to watch a baseball game in the 21st century is your problem. That is, that's like, well, that and is, it's, I would it's argue, I mean, I did kind of like uh, complain about it on the site, but after thinking about it, I mean, it's a lot more, a lot less exclusive, well, exclusive, I guess, than the, the Facebook broadcast in which you had to have a Facebook account. Like you don't yes. have to have an account to watch YouTube. Um, and I do like that. And in the, the thing, the thing that MLB really needs to figure out is a way for people to pay to watch their own team in their own local area, because everybody is cutting cable and like the one thing you can't still do unless you get like, well, YouTube TV and whatever else, um, like you can't just buy a package to watch your own team, which I would say like NBA League Pass, as um, difficult as it can be to um, to use and, you know, have it operate well, um, it does have that option where you can pay to watch your own local team. Well, this and is my can- thing with technology. If you adopt it, and you see, and you can uh, augment its positives, then it will bleed into, it will create more positives. So like the idea that those safety helmets, I always talk about this, like the padded helmets look ridiculous. Well, you know what will happen if you just pay that company to have the safety padded helmets and the players start wearing them and it's not a big deal, is that the helmets will get smaller over time because the technology will get better. Same with the netting. There's gonna be a time where they're gonna, someone's gonna figure out a way to do clear netting. That it's going to happen because that's what happens when you start when you take technology and you start going and you start putting interest and direction towards it. In the case of the YouTube thing, I mean, you're totally right about the broadcast rules. But if you show that more people are watching baseball online, they're going to figure out a way to make it easier to watch pe- baseball online, locally or otherwise. So that's to me, it's sort of like let's embrace. Like, it is way better than Facebook. There's no question. It's like it's a more stable. You can watch it; it doesn't crash. You don't have to put up with Facebook's environment to watch a game. Uh, you can watch it on multiple devices. More people watch it on YouTube. They'll make it easier to watch the games online. That's my thought on that. But you're All right. right. <laughs> so mine, mine's kind of silly, and it's you know, a, it, okay. So it started off being about because it's it's Sunday as we've mentioned, and the start of football season, and oh. I I don't hate football. 
Um, and I don't hate people who watch and enjoy football to each their own. But there's and it, this actually in my mind kind of like spread out into a bigger thing and like seasonal, seasonal internet. Let's put it that way. And that <laughs> every season has its things that come, every, you know, every year. It's like, oh, we're doing this again every year. And so, you know, like spring, you have the beginning of baseball season and you have the same kind of baseball jokes again and again and again and whatever. I find fall to be probably the worst because Twitter like turns into football, fantasy football, pumpkin spice, arguments about pumpkin spice, and everyone's starting to talk about Halloween two months in advance and it's every year. And it's just like the things I five things that I just don't care about and don't have any interest in. And it's my entire Twitter, Facebook, everything feed is all of those things. And it's like, it makes me want to pull my hair out. You heard it here first folks. Sammy Higgins (laughs) hates fall. I love fall because it actually, because I live in a place where it's like 110 degrees. So like it's just now gotten to the point where the high today was, I think 84, which is amazing. So I love fall in terms of it cooling off, but like all of the same things that people post all the time. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It gets to me like when you're trying, especially like if you sleep in on a Sunday and you have to catch up on news, you know, giant stuff. Cause I have to like know what's going on. And my entire Twitter timeline is just like all football, but nobody's telling you what game they're watching. They're all just like <laughs> talking about it. Like, you know what they're talking about. And it's just, you can't like mute it. You can mute. I tried one time muting all of the teams, all of the players I could think of, all of the terminology, all of the memes. I muted like must've been 175 words. Did not help one bit. <laughs> It's still, my timeline is still like 90% football. And I just, what was that? It was a Santiago Casilla who had that quote about football. And I wish I could remember what the quote was. He's like, uh, the guys in the fo- in the clubhouse were watching football. He's like, fuck football. I was it one year baseball. Was it one year eBay? It was one year eBay. You're right. Sorry. My apologies. <laughs> Sorry. And he's just like, fuck football. I want to talk about baseball or watch baseball. I'm like, you know what? Yes. That's, I want to post that every year at this time. I have a problem with it too. I mean, the, the football mainly, but I also have a problem with soccer season, which seems to go on all like 10 months out of the year. <laughs> and it's also during the day and night, but every yeah. day and night. So it's, I guess that's how it's, it is when baseball gets involved. I guess snobbishly, I always like to think that baseball is different because when you go to a baseball game, you can have another conversation. And so like, you'll see the same baseball people also just talking about whatever else is going on in current events mm-hmm. and it's like football it's just football like well, i never see that account until it's football season or it's like <laughs> you i i tend to follow people prime primarily and i don't follow a lot of people so like I, I i've cultivated who i follow and you always forget it's like throughout the year i tend to follow people specifically for baseball and then you get to about september and they all turn into football tweeters and i'm like what the hell it's like they're taking off a disguise and all of a sudden they're football. <laughs> like, what? Who are you? I thought I knew you. <laughs> Which, again, this isn't to disparage anybody who likes football and enjoys it and wants to talk about it. That's fine. Like, do you. It's your own Twitter account. I'm not judging anybody. I just, for me, it's like, oh, I'm just not going to even bother with anything on Sunday. It's just, there's no point, I guess, is where I'm going with that. Lengthy, it's a good rant. Pointless rant. Yeah. It's so, a good, solid rant. Uh, the last thing we like to do is um, have everybody share their favorite cocktail recipe. Brian, do you have one? Oh my gosh, I totally missed this question. I got, I've got nothing. <laughs> okay, we'll cut the section. Don't worry. No, about it. it's fine. Keep it. I, the, I, this is what I do at every party where I don't know anybody. 
this is it. I do I do rum and coke. That's, that's I mean, <laughs> and it's I and classic. I take a red cup. I take a red cup. I pour the uh, the rum up past the rigid, the the you know how it's like ridged yes. at the bottom. Pour it up like I just eyeball it, like maybe a quarter of an inch past that ridge part. Fill the rest up with Coke. Then it was Coke Zero. I haven't done it in a while though because I've quit soda. But then that would that would be my cocktail, and then I would just kind of like shift it around or shake it a little bit, and that's it. That would be my drink. So. Yeah, that is a very boring answer. I'm not a drinking, I'm not a working, functioning, drinking baseball writer. I'm not one of the cool ones. I'm not <laughs> Hemingwaying my way through our content load. So, what yeah. do you have one for me? What's the best one that you've heard, or what's oh. the one that you your go to? Uh, well, mine was very boring. We talked about it in the first episode, and so it's really not worth revisiting. But all of Brady's have been really good. Um, <laughs> Right. Unsurprising. No, Brady, because if you if you're on the site, That's you know that Brady's yeah. yeah, you know that Brady's our foodie and he's our uh our resident expert at all things uh food and drink related. So I knew he was gonna bring some good recipes and he hasn't disappointed. Um <laughs> Lana had a good one. I think it was Lana that had one that had like um might have been Carmen. Either both Carmen and Lana had good ones. Uh they were like unexpected, so um, yeah, no, mine was super boring. Like it was literally like vodka tonic and lime. It's yeah. a classic. It works. Yeah, well, yeah, it works, but it's yeah, it's not super interesting. Um, so everybody can read Brian's work on the site, and you know, hopefully, you know where to find that if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, and you can follow the site's Twitter account, which is, I believe, it's still McCovey Cron. Yep. Yeah, but if they want to follow you specifically, where can they no, find you? Just no, just follow the Covey Crow. Okay, okay. <laughs> There's right, no then. need for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, so I guess we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Brian for joining me this week. It didn't come up in the episode, but Brian isn't just our managing editor. He also has a podcast, the original McCovey Croncast. If you subscribe to that feed, you'll get all of the latest episodes from him, Roger, and myself. You could rate and review if you're feeling like you have an abundance of free time you need help spending. Thanks for listening and have a great week.